0: Now we're getting to the bottom of everything.
1: It's time for Mother Angelica.
0: I mean, that's awesome.
1: Answering the call. Answering the call.
0: This world is no place for Catholic chickens.
1: Answering the call.
0: You call that a failure? I call it a great success.
2: Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. And welcome once again to Answering the Call with Mother Angelica, featuring your co-host, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, our chaplain here at EWTN, and myself, Doug Keck. And of course, each week we bring you highlights of some of the great phone calls that people placed with Mother Angelica on her live show throughout the 80s and the 90s, and you get an opportunity to listen to Mother field them, as she did live on the air. And of course, this is EWTN's radio network in our 40th anniversary year for TV and the founding of EWTN, so we appreciate you being with us, and we appreciate Father Joseph being here as well.
3: Yes, and I love the topic of the first, um, first call, especially, where Mother talks about how God knew us even before we existed, right? That he thought of us, he loved us, he knew us. And that's a profound truth, that if we all really knew that and embraced that, how different our lives would be.
2: Absolutely. It's even amazing that you know the topics before I read them off on the program here. (laughs) First up is exactly the one Father talked about, (laughs) followed by the Protestants dealing with the rapture, how do you love it, and finally praying the seven sorrows. So, uh, Father Joseph, why don't you continue on with the idea of the creation Mm -hmm. of the earth and and dealing with abortion, kind of an odd
3: concoction
2: there, but it does have meaning.
3: And you think about Psalm 139, and I encourage anyone who may have some doubts about their own dignity or their self-worth, read Psalm 139 prayerfully before the Lord and hear him speaking to you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and I consecrated you. And that's true that he knew us and he loved us even before we existed. he thought of us. We wouldn't exist if he didn't want us to exist. And so he has a purpose for our lives. And we're meant for glory, to be with him forever. And so Mother ties it in with the reality, the sad reality of abortion, that there's a loss of the sense of that dignity of the unborn child.
2: Right. And she talks about abortion being blasphemous murder because it denies God what he decided before time began. Should you deny that? You say, no, it won't be. I'd watch it. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's warning people who take that attitude and understanding how important every life is, as you just suggested, is to the, to the Lord mm-hmm. who created these beings from mm-hmm. the beginning of time.
3: Yes, and there's a ripple effect to our actions, right? And so the mother's talking about the negative ripple effect that other children are not going to be born because this child's life was ended. But also, we could also say, conversely, we can have a ripple effect for the good, when we do good, when we do works of charity, when we sustain life, that has positive effects throughout, eternity, throughout uh, you know, time.
2: Absolutely. So let's see what Mother exactly had to say to this caller who asked about God knew me before the creation of the earth and also abortion.
0: We have a call. Hello? Yes. Hello, Mother. Hi. Uh, this is Anthony. Oh, hi, Anthony. Where are you from?
1: Uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Boston. Wonderful. Yes. Uh, my question, Mother, is uh, I've heard you say that God knew me before the creation of the earth and I find this to be mind-boggling. Oh, it is. And I'm wondering, uh, does that come from Scripture?
0: Oh, yeah, it's everywhere. Before I was in my mother's womb, you knew me. You knit me. That's what it says. In my mother's womb, you, oh God, knitted me. You made me, you created me. See, to God, there is no past or future. Everything is now. So He saw me then before He created a blade of grass or said, let there be light as you find in Genesis. He knew me. He knew what century I would be born. He knew my mother and father. He did everything possible for me to be created. That's why it's so terrible to offend him because after he waited all these centuries, I came along smart-aleck. That doesn't sound right, does it? It doesn't sound like we should do that. It's true. It says this in the Psalms. You know, when uh, Moses said, who are you? When I go to these people, what am I going to say? Who sent me? He said, say, I am sent you not I was or I'm going to be, I am. Thank you. So God is eternal. There was never a time He was not and there will never be a time He will not be. He's always there, never had a beginning. He was always there. Don't ask me how. He's God. He's a whole different nature, divine nature. He always was, but somehow, out of a possible 60 billion people who might have been, he made a decision and that decision was me and that decision was you. Mm -hmm. That's why abortion is so bad. Abortion is blasphemous murder because it denies God what He decided before time began should be. You deny that. You say, no, it won't be. I'd watch it. That's truth of birth control. You're making a decision when you're going to have a baby. Now, maybe God had in mind something entirely different and you say, no, Mm, you better be careful. Hey, friend, if you're deciding tonight on an abortion, you're deciding against God first and foremost. And then you also decide against the life of a child. You know, if you ever think of how many scientists, How many other children will never be? For example, how many millions of people have been aborted? And that's all you count. A million and a half a year. Oh, but those people would have gotten married and that's another million and a half and those children would have gotten married and that's another two million and somebody else. You have not destroyed a baby. You destroyed generations. You see? We don't think of that. you are to me tonight and you're deciding tomorrow you're going to have an abortion. Don't. You're not going to destroy one child. You destroy many children. They will never be. Because God already decided that child shall, shall be. And you said, no. And if you've had these abortions, please repent. Please. Our Lord's mercy is beyond our imagination. So I destroy the will of God because you can read the Psalms, you can read the great I am. And our dear Lord said to the Pharisees, I think we read it this week's gospel, when he threw out all the money changers and made a rope and beat them up. Kind of like that sometimes. They said, Who are you to do this? What proof do you have that you have that authority? He said, I will destroy the temple and in three days raise it up." But they didn't know what he was talking about. Why could he say that? Because he knew it's was going to rise. But who can rise from the dead on his own? Only God. Before Abraham came to be, he said, I am. Oh, wow. And in Scripture, this book of Genesis, we read, where the Lord said, Let there be light. And there was light. See, There's nothing new before God. Read your Psalms. Read who Jesus said He was. He said to to Peter, Who do men say that I am? And some said, You're Elias. And some said this and that. Or John the Baptist, come back to life. He said, Who do you say I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh. what did He say? He said, the Father has revealed this to you. So there standing before them was the Great I Am. In that Eucharist that maybe you've lost faith in, who humbled Himself to a small wafer, is the Great I Am. You may have lost your faith or been the cause of others losing their faith, but He will always be You'll never destroy Him or you'll never destroy His church. I will be with you, He said, to the end of time. So throughout the Scriptures. And then there's one sentence I love so much. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be. And then He said, if you keep my Father's commandments, He and I will come make our home in you. And in my Father's house there are many mansions." Ah, this is the beautiful sense of all. If it were not so, I would have told you. Ah, oh yes, my friend. If He doesn't know me before time began and didn't decide I would be, He would not be God. There are no surprises. He knew everyone that was ever going to be just that I am. I've been created by God, and here I am. There you are. What a wonderful thing.
2: Moving on to a totally different topic, one of the theological nature and was kind of popular more so, especially in the late 90s, Father Joseph, was about the rapture and a Mm -hmm. Catholic understanding of it.
3: You think about the books and the films Left Behind, which had this uh, theological bent. But it's not in accord with our Catholic teaching or the scriptures, really, because there's only one return of the Lord. There's not a secret coming where people are secretly brought up you know, to be with the Lord and then the tribulation happens. The scriptures speak about one return of the Lord and then those who are still alive will be caught up with the Lord. So in that sense, there is a rapture of being caught up as 1 Thessalonians chapter four speaks of, but it's that one time event that all eyes will see and they will know that Jesus is Lord.
2: Right, and, and I think one of the things Mother even mentions at this time, which is even more reflective today, because it's something from the past now, the gift of laughter or something mm-hmm. and people doing crazy things, remember that? That was the laughing oh, revival, yeah. which was popular. For a while and uh, and of course all of that did die out it didn't sustain itself Mm -hmm. so we know that uh, it wasn't real really and she says if we could spend one hour before the Blessed Sacrament we wouldn't have to worry about all these shenanigans
3: exactly because she always was centered on the reality of the sacraments the gift of the sacraments we can't get off into these wild things or experiences that's not what it's about but it's by being with the Lord receiving the sacraments that he has given to us through the church. And spending one hour at the Blessed Sacrament is one of the best ways to experience the Lord's presence.
2: To not get distracted and keep your focus. The Rapture.
0: Well, we have another call. Hello? Hello. Where are you from?
1: I'm from Tampa, Florida.
0: And what is your question?
1: Uh, Well, I've been recently having a lot of discussions with Protestant Christians. And they are really into something called the Rapture.
2: And
0: I'm
1: trying to figure out exactly if the rapture is the same thing as the second coming or... Are they
0: in the rapture now or are they looking forward to it?
1: Well, they're looking forward to it and they're using okay. all these biblical quotes from Thessalonians and Corinthians and everything else.
0: Well, I ask if they're in the rapture now so there's some kind of strange thing going on called a, a gift of laughter or something and people do crazy, crazy things. And I... I don't know. They roll on the floor, and they get—they say they get holy glue. And I thought, Jesus, oh, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us. Stay away from these bizarre things. If we could all spend one hour before the Blessed Sacrament, we wouldn't have to worry about all these shenanigans. No, we come to the rapture. Saint Paul mentions about the second coming. And there's a question now as to whether it's a second coming is the final coming. I'm ready for either one. How about you? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but in either case, in either case, St. Paul says that at that time those that are left will be brought into heaven. Why? Those that are dead will rise. Well, everybody dies. So par everybody dies. It is thought by some exegesis that the latter days will be so filled with awesome pain and suffering that these people will literally have their purgatory here. And that there will be some kind of spiritual death. For that reason, they may. Nobody really knows. When the final coming comes, when Jesus comes, they may rise with all those who have died. That's what they look forward to. Well, I think that's fine because it is scriptural. But if you omit the chastisement and pain before, (laughs) oh, you're going to have a big surprise. Because nobody enters the kingdom without being totally, absolutely like Jesus. And that's why we're here. We're here to do his will, we're here to try our very best to be like Him. If we've done that all our life, when we die, God will Himself take away all the things we didn't quite make and He'll raise us up.
1: There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph
2: and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And again, thank you so much for staying with us. I'm Doug Heck, along with Father Joseph Mary Wolf, our chaplain here at EWTN, bringing along some of the great conversations Mother had over the years with our viewers via phone calls. Mother Angelica answering the call. In this segment, we've got a call that had to do with failure and dealing with failure. Father Joseph, Mother never really had any problems with failure, I mean, she never failed, right? <laughs>
3: Well, I think she did, you know, and she said that she learned more from her failures because it's a humbling thing and you learn something, you know, in failing. Success can lead to pride, arrogance, and uh, can be troublesome, right? If we're too successful and we think at all that we are the one, the reason, you know, behind everything, but failure leads us to that reality where our limitations, our dependence upon God, and leads us to humility.
2: Do you think sometimes in dealing with these things, people are surprised because they're thinking, well, I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm praying for guidance. I'm doing everything that I feel he's asking me to do. And it still doesn't work out.
3: And that's a common question, isn't it? Well, I tried Mm -hmm. prayer, but it didn't work. And, well, did you persevere in prayer like the Lord has taught us? And so if we're going to follow the Lord, it's going to require perseverance and trust. And he's going to test us, too you know, in our spiritual lives, so that we grow, so that we learn that surrender, that trust, that abandonment to the Lord. And again, that it all doesn't depend on me. It depends on Thee, Lord. And so I'm looking to you to show me the way and lead me in the way to fruitfulness, not necessarily success in this life, but a fruitfulness that will lead to eternal life.
2: Right, and one of her classic lines is in here, I'm afraid of dying and have the father look at me and say, Angelica, all these you might have saved if you had trusted more. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm afraid of.
3: Yeah, so she was afraid that uh, if the Lord had inspired her to do something and she had neglected to follow that inspiration, that maybe he he could have saved more.
2: Mother Angelica on failure.
3: So,
0: we have some calls. Hello? Hi, Mother. Um, My question is, if you're making a decision in your life and you want God to help you, how do you know that the decision you made is the one that God wanted you to do? And if something goes wrong where it's not all right, does that mean that you didn't do the right decision that God wanted you to do? Thank you and God bless. Well, that's a $65 question, isn't it? Let me say this. When we pray, we first have to ask our dear Lord that we know His will. Before God's will is done, we should know what it is, and He will let us know. And we can tell if what I'm going to do or the decision I'm going to make, is it for the honor and glory of God? Is for the good of my family? Is it for my good? If we can say yes to all those, and I feel comfortable with it. I feel comfortable with it then I can, I can do whatever it is I think I should be doing. And if you say, well, it doesn't go well. You know, I don't think every time we pray we should expect everything to go well. I think sometimes it has to go sour. I never learned anything in success. I'm happy about it. I want to be successful for the good of the Lord's kingdom and the church and the people. But I never learn anything when I'm successful. I learn something when I fail. One time I went to a meeting of a Catholic communicators. This is like years and years and years ago. And I was asked to give a talk on how we started and all. And, and somebody said to me, Mother, what happens if you fail? <laughs> I said, I don't. I'm not afraid to fail because I've always learned something when I failed. I said, I'll tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of success, though I need to succeed because many people change when they're successful. You all know people that change. They get snooty and, and they get smart aleck and they get proud and arrogant. And You've got to be strong to be successful and keep your hand on the plow. And I said to them, I'll tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of dying. And had the Father look at me and say, Angelica, all these you might have saved had you trusted more. I'm afraid of that. I take all kind of risks. We take risks nobody would even think of if we find and feel that this is God's will for us. You've got to know that first. And after that, you go and you do what you feel is God's will for you and if you succeed, wonderful. And you fail, praise God. And you'll learn when you fail. I always learn. You know, the greatest days of my life is when I had braces and crutches. I don't have them now, thank God. It's been a year Our Lady healed me. But I felt then I was a real witness and now I feel I'm still a witness. 'Cause people come up to you. are you still walking? I said, I think so. I got ordinary shoes on. See, the only thing in our life is am I loving the Lord and am I getting holy? That's the only thing important. So don't be afraid to pray and get a no. <laughs> Maybe the best thing. Some of you women have you ever seen now the man you almost married? <laughs> huh? Yeah? Uh Uh-huh. Aren't you glad (laughs) you didn't? Now, at the time you thought, oh, woe is me. He married somebody else. Now you're so happy about it. (laughs) See? Now, what you called a failure ten years ago was really a blessing, right? You pray with total confidence and trust in God. Be at peace
2: and we come to the conclusion of our program with one last phone call having to do with praying the seven sorrows a lot of people aren't that familiar with that Mm -hmm. father joseph what is it
3: so it's a meditation on the seven sorrows of our lady and you actually find this at the shrine of the blessed sacrament you have one set of the bronze doors with the seven joys of our lady and the other set with the seven sorrows of our lady and so that's the prophecy of simeon that a sword would pierce her heart the flight into Egypt when they're being pursued by the evil king, the loss of the child Jesus, and the last four have to do with the passion of her son and Mary's participation in that.
2: Well, it's interesting, too, thinking about the last segment on failure, and here you're dealing with the sorrows, things that might have appeared on the surface to be failures, uh, you know, and things that happened in Our Lady's life or, or mm-hmm. the sorrows that happened in Our Lord's life, but at the end they were all victories.
3: Yes, and that we know that sorrow is a part of this life. And when we meditate on our Lord or Lady's sorrows, something gives us courage within, right? There's some of the strength that they had in facing, in his case, his crucifixion, in our Lady's case, going with her son in his sufferings, that something of their strength, their courage enters our own hearts. So our own burdens become lighter.
2: Praying the seven sorrows, we can use it today. Here's Mother Angelica.
3: Hey, we
0: have a call. Hello? Hello. Hey, where are you from? Hi, Mother. I'm from Philadelphia. My name's Donna. we got people here from Philadelphia. Yay. Yay. (laughs) I just wanted to let you know that I pray the seven sorrows devotion every single day. Wonderful. I make rosaries, and Mm -hmm. I say the rosary every day. Thank you, Jesus. And... If it wasn't for the Blessed Virgin Mary, I wouldn't be here. I really wouldn't. Mm -hmm. She has got me through a lot, especially with my mother. So I am so happy that you're letting everyone know about her sorrows and the devotion because I think it's great. There's a rosary, for the sake of those listening, there's a seven sorrow rosary that has all, that you say prayers over all of these sorrows. And I, it, it'd be good, even if you don't know them, you could read them in the Scriptures. All these are in Scripture. But I think you need to just say, thank you, sweet mother, for all you suffered for me. You cannot have a son that's Son of God and not have intense pain. You can't.
1: For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call, only on EWTN Radio.